1: You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Gilio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL.
0: Welcome back, BetQL Daily, right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Thursday. And joining us right now on the Roman Guest on to Talk Some NBA is Odyssey NBA Insider Brian Scalabrini. Scal, welcome back to the show. Great to have you as we uh, discuss the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Let's start with uh, Game Two tonight Boston and Miami. We saw Miami in Game One and what Jimmy Butler was able to do. Scal, are you surprised uh, that Jimmy Butler continues to do this? I mean, he's putting up numbers that very few guys have done in the history of the postseason. We know he's a really good player, but it's like the playoffs come around, Jimmy's an even better player. Um, is Jimmy's run here surprising you at all? I mean, it's not.
1: The stats are surprising, but like, I, there's two things going on, right? There's the impact on winning and then and stats. The so stats are not are a little bit surprising that he can have so many 40-point games. And like what he did the other night, it's never been done. 41, 9, 5, 4, 3, that's never been done in NBA history. So that's a little bit surprising. But impact on winning? No. Like the guy's guards. He, he knows how to play. You know, do you guys know he, in the last three years, you take all the 20-point scores, t- 34% of his points come from the free-throw line. So when people say, this guy's a superstar, he's not a superstar, most people think he's not. I think he happens to be one in 2022. Um, they don't factor in. Like, all the times he goes to the basket, he, like, uses his pivot feet, and he gets people in the air, and he gets fouled. So, like, a lot of those free throws, I mean, he had it 17 for 18 from the free throw line. So, it just like, like I said, the stats, yeah, and the impressiveness of his domination in the game – that's he's a winning player. He's always been, and he'll do whatever it takes to win. So I'm not surprised um, by like uh, his impact on winning.
0: Scal, you were a teammate of his. Uh, Twenty was it 2011 with the Bulls. What kind of teammate is Jimmy?
1: I loved him like that was my rookie. We played one on one all the time. He's the only time like so. I was coming to the end of my career, and Tito was my boy, right? And I. Me and Tibbs, we talk all the time, and we're chopping it up. I went to his office, and I said, I don't understand. Like, you got to explain this one to me. Luel Dane goes out of the game, and we had this stretch where we had, like, the Knicks, and he guarded – Jimmy Butler guarded Carmelo Anthony. Then we played the Heat, and he guarded D-Wade and LeBron James. This is a rookie, and he was not backing down. And I'm like – so we get back, and Luel Dane comes back, and Jimmy Butler goes down to – Five, seven, nine minutes, whatever it was, right? And I had to go to the office, and I wasn't trying to call out Thibodeau. I, I wasn't. I just wanted to know what his thought process was. I just watched this rookie like stare. Some three of the, those guys at the time were probably the three best, like scoring wing, like like tough covers in the NBA, big, strong, physical wing players. And Jimmy Butler held his own, and he got like, I, he was thriving in that environment. And one thing Thibodeau did was, I said this on radio to a Chicago station. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing he did was lay into me about Jimmy Butler. Um, You can't give any bulletin board material to uh, LeBron, D. Wade, uh, Carmelo Anthony, which he was right. I'm saying a rookie's coming in and not batting an eye at these three superstars. I said that on radio. So he told me, don't do that again. All right, fine, respect. But then he's like I just got a long-term process for when it comes to Butler. You got to give him something, you got to take it away, you got to keep giving and then eventually you build that mental toughness up and I, I, whether I agree or disagree with the philosophy, you know, like Jimmy Butler turned into like a, a really great player and that edge that he had, people didn't talk about it because he, was, he wasn't getting like the time that he like most rookies young players would deserve, you know, that like go in there and play defense at the clip that he did. Another thing he does, he works on his body. Like, he is constantly lifting, and, and, he, and all that work ethic that you see from him now at 4.30 a.m. workouts, and he maybe wasn't doing the 4.30 workouts at that time, but uh, you could tell that he was a worker, and, he, and he, it meant a lot to him, and being competitive was a lot to him. And then we played it one-on-one a ton, and, and uh, he was about it, man. Like, some guys were about competition, and some guys just want to live the lifestyle. Jimmy Butler about competition.
0: I love it. Great insight. Thank you for that. You know, the Celtics bounce back after each loss in their last series with the Bucs. What needs to happen for them to get a win tonight and steal one in Miami?
1: So, I mean, there's a lot of things to unfold. Um, You know, obviously, so Marcus Smart will be back. No Al Horford. I think that's going to hurt the Celtics. Like Al Horford, I know like a lot of people, it's hard for people to understand that position and how important that position is. A guy who can guard multiple people guy that can rebound at a high clip. Al Horford's averaging over you know, 10 rebounds a game, but that's just part of it. Like, I think you can get all kinds of guys that can average 10 rebounds a game, but are they great decision makers? Are they great floor spacers? So I just, once I saw that Al Horford and Marcus Smart were out, I never thought the Celtics were going to win game one. And now it's like really hard moving into this, like this game two, which is not a must win for the Celtics, but it's close to it. Like, you don't want to go down 0-2 uh, and now have to, you know, like you have to win both your games at home back in the garden. So I'm really worried about the Al Horford absence. And one thing I, I will mention, Jason Tatum is a phenomenal player. And he is a what I call a flow player. Like he, Jason Tatum's not a one-dimensional guy. It, I'm not saying like, well, I'll bring LeBron up. LeBron is most effective when he has the ball in his hands. He's getting downhill. He's turning the corner or he's making passes. Tatum can play on the ball, off the ball. He can go left, he can go right. He can play like a point forward. He could post them up. He could he could get rid of the ball and get that ball with five seconds on the clock, and you're at his mercy at that time. But the only way to get to that point is you have to have other guys on the team that could set up and compromise the defense, get into the paint, get teams in rotation. But I felt like in that game, they did that in the first half. like They were flowing. And then in that third quarter, when things started going sideways which happens a lot like runs happen in the nba you it was like jason tatum we want you to bring the ball to the floor we want you to come back and defensive rebound we want you to also score for us when you give it up we want you to get it back and you're doing all that with pj tucker breathing down your neck so it was never going to be successful for the celtics without having you know like marcus smart who's probably going to play tonight It takes pressure off of him i would have loved to see jalen brown take some pressure off of, of tatum in that in that half, but he didn't it, it, he didn't do it, or they weren't focusing on that. It was too much of Tatum. Please win us this game. So, moving forward to game two, I want to see the Celtics slow more. You know, little drive kick, but have the intent to make sure that Tatum sees that ball. You don't want it just to be like Derek White driving and kicking to Peyton Pritchard. You want that ball like White to Pritchard, Pritchard over to Grant Williams, back to Tatum with about you know. 8 to 10 on the shot clock, and now Tatum is going to work with the defense a little bit softened up. And I think at that point, that's when the Celtics will be at their best. So it's playing a little wild, playing a little free, but playing with the right intent to make sure that that ball finds Jason Tatum on these half-court possessions so he can make a play with you know 8 to 10 seconds on the clock.
0: Scal, what do you make of of the margin of victory so far in the playoffs? There's been a lot of blowouts. We were going over it to start the show today. I mean, a lot of these games, I mean, typically when the favorite, the favorite covers. I mean, you you just pick the winner of the game and you're good. I mean, there's been very few games where it's like, okay, the team won but didn't cover the number. The favorite, uh, my my theory has been as the NBA becomes more of a three-point shooting contest, there's just variance. If you're shooting 50, 60 threes in a game. You have an off night. You could lose that game by 30. What do you make of this? There's been very few really close games down the wire in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I, I was just talking about that on our show in the morning. Um, so I think a little bit of that is there's been some compelling games. Like, for instance, let's use this Boston game. Boston dominated first half, and then Miami dominates the second half. So, like, there's your ebbs and flows, right? But, you know, like, it could be one of those things where runs are happening at a certain time and you can't get back into the game. Uh, another thing is I think that with the way that people play nowadays – And you talked about the three-point shooting. I think there's a lot of energy that comes into that. Like, it's not, you think about 90s basketball, 2000s basketball. It was very methodical in the way that you play. It's hard to blow out teams when you're playing slow and methodical. It's like, like the way you blow teams out is by playing fast and quick. And, you know, I think we're seeing more of that type of play right now. And you're right. We haven't had. I think all the way back to, I think, the Boston Celtics with the meltdown in game five against the Bucks. I think that was the last time we've had a close game. It's like, the the Warriors got blown out. Then the Warriors blew out Memphis. And you had the Dallas giving, uh, blowing out Phoenix in games five and six. You had the blowout in the Celtic game. You had the blowout last night. And I think a lot of it has to do with styles of play. You know, they say styles make fight, But I actually think that in these next two games, Uh, Dallas is going to try to take the air out of the ball. And then Boston is definitely going to try to play like a little bit slower than what they did. Because one thing about that Boston-Miami series, as you saw in the third quarter, Celtics played a little free and they got loose with the basketball. In one sense, it worked in the first half, but in the second half, it didn't. So I know this is a betting show. So some things you might want to look at is unders. With Marcus Smart back, I think unders could hit, especially tonight. And look for like unders hitting in the first quarter. Things like, uh, uh, I think the under over under in the first quarter is 50. Like that might hit under. And more in, in particular, I would look at Miami's first quarter under. Like I think Miami's going to come out and play really slow, really physical. It's not what we thought game one was going to look like. Add in Marcus Smart in there, the more controlled point guard. I think their unders could hit today. And, um, so if you're, if you're, Looking at it from a betting standpoint, uh, I think early unders might hit in this uh, in this game tonight.
0: So like you just mentioned, uh, with Smart on the court, listed as probable, you definitely think he's going to be out there because we've seen some other players miss an extended period of time with a similar injury. And can you talk about just the fallout that we saw and just with Smart not on the court, how it just changes everything defensively?
1: Yeah, so Smart not on the court – you you play more free up-tempo, right? That's smart will push the ball, but not as free as Jason Tatum having it and having Peyton Pritchard and Derek White out there. Smart's a more of a controlled player. Doesn't mean he can't play fast, but in general, he does. And in Miami, when um, I just think he'll take care of the ball. Like Miami, they rebounded at a high clip in the third and they turned the Celtics over. Like Smart can, like, can control all that. So I just think you're going to see a more controlled pace. It was so weird So the other day when Smart and Horford went out, um, I was thinking that game one was gonna be under. You know, you have, you have. uh, I thought two teams are gonna like be in a knockout drag out series, right? And then I thought with those two guys um, eliminated after game one, I thought they're just gonna jump up. Like my mind said, oh my God, with these two guys out, this is gonna be like more of a gunslinger game where teams are going up and down the floor Teams are playing faster. The floor is going to be wide open. Mismatches are going to create rotation. Rotation is going to create wide open shots. With those two guys out there, see, when you have versatility like both these teams do, you end up playing a lot of one-on-one. One-on-one does not lead to high scores. Rotation, threes, transition, those lead to high scores. So the, the line with those two guys out dropped. And I'm like, that's not what I was thinking. The line started out at 206, goes down to three, 203 and a half. Those guys were out. I thought it was going to go to, like, 208, 209. It went down, and I was like, what is going on here? But I happen to be right on that because with those two guys out, you saw more wild and free games. So today, this was smart. Like, I'm still a little bit hesitant on the Celtics with, with Horford out. I could totally see, like, this being a more controlled game across the board. Both teams almost playing that, like, first, second quarter as a let's let's do a feel out game and let's see how this thing is going to unfold so that's that's the kind of impact that i feel like smart will have defensively will really slow down miami and and keep the celtics out of rotation
0: i love it i'm definitely going to look at the first quarter under what about in terms of player props are there some unders you'd be looking for there or perhaps um someone that you think could have a big game
1: yeah, I, I don't like rooting for unders, even though I'm going to jump all over the unders in this series because they just stand out to me, kind of like neon lights. But when Jimmy Butler has forty points in the playoffs, he usually backs that up with like a you know like a little low twenties, a twenty, a twenty-three. So I'm actually going to play the Jimmy Butler under. So and I think he's at twenty-six and a half right now. So mm-hmm. that's the only one when I saw this game that I could see like that one that kind of stood out to me. The other. Tatum, Tatum, could play bad and get you 30 points in, in a game. And I, uh, I usually like to play Smart's assist when he's out there. And when, um, if I know there's going to be games where, like, where Smart has been out and Jason Tatum's going to handle the ball, I play Tatum's assist. But usually when Smart out there, you could play Tatum's overs. They, they usually hit because Smart's like, you know, getting Jason Tatum. A few easy buckets and he's a very, very much momentum player. So Tatum's like knocking down a few threes or he gets a wide open layup that's marked steal and kicks it ahead to Tatum. Like that can lead into having like a 15, 17 point quarter. So the only one that really stands out to me right now would be the Jimmy Butler under at 26 and a half.
0: Scal, Western Conference Finals game one last night, a big win for the Warriors. Luka did not have a great game, though we've seen him bounce back. Quickly, about you know, about a minute to go here. As we look forward to game two and the rest of the series, do you like the Warriors in a shorter series, longer, or do you think Dallas uh, can turn this around kind of like they did to the Suns?
1: Until I see Dallas play good, I'm not, I don't like to bet – like I don't like to look at the series. yet. That is not a reflection of who Dallas is. They're uh, – they're not a good road team so you could take that with a grain of salt I I took the Warriors yesterday I took the under in the first half which did you see the amount of free throws and threes missed in that and then I took uh, Draymond Green over eight or seven and a half so he ended up having 10 I sweated that one out just a little bit when he blew a layup to start the half but um no I think uh I think Dallas has a lot more in them and Wiggins was the MVP but like when guys like Wiggins he, he was amazing in that game. Luca's going to take that personal. Luca will bounce back, and Dallas will figure it out. And Jason Kidd made the right adjustments in this. So I'm not, I'm not sure this is going to be a short series because Dallas Mavericks, they would make shots. This game has a completely different personality. I'm assuming they're going to eventually make shots. For sure, they'll make shots at home. So don't start betting Warriors to sweep or Warriors in five just yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Brian Scalabin and the Roma Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation, ongoing care for EDL from the comfort and prize your home. Go to GetRoma.com slash BetQL. The NBA Draft Lottery happened a couple nights ago. Our first thoughts on what it means for the NBA Draft and props coming up next on the BetQL Network.
1: These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio,
0: and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily from BetQL.